And we're back. I'm Gervier Brom here with Jamakar Sandu, and we are Screen Off Script. This week, we're getting into a TIFF recap. We're talking about Dicks the Musical and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here for the opening night of the 48th edition of the Toronto International Film Festival. What's up, Toronto? Good afternoon. What a fantastic looking audience. Why are y'all up so late? Yeah, you naughty kids. You should be in bed. All right, John, uh, we're back after TIFF. Mm-hmm. We were at a movie festival for like 11 days. Yeah. All right. It's a long period of time. Yeah. And yeah, like even for yourself, you like trooped the hell out of it. You had some days, what, five movies in one day? I think the most I had was five in one day. Yeah. I feel like we probably had like slightly different experiences only because you packed in even more movies. How did you feel about watching like all of that? Yeah, honestly, there were definitely times where I'm like, oh, I need some coffee. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, this is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm so happy. Like, yeah. I'm a cinephile. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not watch- w- anything to complain about. No, ever. not at all. Watching movies, uh, and we've spoken about this in the past, specifically with that TIFF audience, that mm-hmm. TIFF crowd, yep. movies that aren't going to be released on you know, streaming platforms or going to be out in theaters for weeks or months in advance. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't exchange it for the world. And I just thought to myself, okay, it's only once a year. Just go hard for like 10, 11 days and then rest and recover. And uh, I've got no regrets. I would exchange it for the world if I'm being honest. <laughs> I actually would. But I thought it was great. Like I, you have so much fun at TIFF. It's yeah. just a great audience. It's a great city to kind of be in during this time. This, the weather is great. Like there's nothing to complain about. It's such a great way to end your summer. And, and like you mentioned, great crowd. The best in the world. The craziest thing. Actually, I'm not going to say best in the world. But the craziest thing is that when we do watch these movies, a director comes out, they always say, this is the best crowds. TIFF always has the best crowds. And a part of me thinks like, that's just fan service. Like this, right. this crowd is just about to like judge your movie and like be a pretty important part of how people are going to view your movie going forward. But right. more than that, like I just can't imagine how crowds get any better than that. You know, I was actually just um, researching film festivals in general. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this. And I don't know if you knew this, but you know, TIFF is actually regarded as one of the quote unquote big five. Yeah. When it comes to film festivals, I didn't know that actually. I thought like London was up there. It's not. It literally, the top five is like Berlin, Venice, Sundance, TIFF and Cannes. Mm-hmm. And TIFF is actually regarded as the premier number one North American film festival to try and showcase movies heading into award season mm-hmm. or try and shop a movie around to hopefully get sold. So I've actually got a higher level of regard for what the actual festival you know, means from a global scale as well. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah, absolutely. And even we have like aspirations to like go to a bunch of music- film festivals after this, right? Like we want to do Cannes and everything. But sometimes I wonder if like is the I think the experience of being in a different location is always going to be fun. Mm. But I wonder if there's ever going to be a crowd that's better than what we already get at home. Yeah, I really think we do get some of the best fans in the world. Yeah, it, it starts with the Bulgari advert. Everyone's clapping along. Everyone's arring to the piracy slide. And then and when these movies end, it's, especially most of them being really, really good, like very few L's, but most of them being so good, you get like a standing ovation. Everyone's really enthusiastic. You just hear people talking about yeah. the experience as they're leaving the theater. And it's a genuine thing. Like I never feel like sometimes you'll watch a video of people clapping for like nine minutes and yeah. you're like, what are you doing clapping for nine minutes? Let's yeah. be real for a second. You just wasted like five minutes of your day. Right. You could have for four minutes. I think the effect is the same. But uh, I, I really do think one thing that the TIFF audience is like really good about is they're real. Like they mm. don't walk out pretending like, all right, cool. That movie was terrible, but let's just be nice. Like, yeah. it's just, you'll know, you'll get a sense in the room. If it's real, if it's great, 
I know it. Yeah, and also just comparing to our experience last year, I, I felt like it was night and day. More movies. I also felt like we made you know stronger relationships with a bunch of people. And if anyone's been watching, or sorry, not watching, but listening and following our journey with the with the show, with the podcast, following us on social media since we started in December of 2020, coming up to like three years, very very soon. I feel like the impact of our experience at TIFF this year, you're going to start to see the fruits of that, I guess, labor, for lack of a better word, in the coming 12 months. Mm -hmm. I I feel like moving forward, we're going to get a lot more opportunities, especially here in Toronto, just because of the relationships we've been able to establish now. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah, even before we finish off, like, the initial why TIFF is awesome thing, the one thing I really wanted to point out is uh, before every movie at TIFF, there's always this reel that shows of how much movies are this and movies are that and it's basically just like a whole reel of just talking about how how much they value these movies for their artistry mm-hmm. and that's something like i really learned to value coming out of this experience because before every single movie it's almost like an intentionality thing where like this is someone's art it's not just a product yep pay attention and like try to get the most out of this right and i really get that sense because you're reminded right before the movie it's not just a commercial or like don't forget to turn off your cell phone or don't forget to grab your popcorn it's like, this is a movie. This is someone's thing. Yeah. And like, sometimes I wonder, like, if we had that in regular movie theaters, I wonder if it would make people realize more often, at least, that movies are awesome. And, you know, would that bring people back into seeing movies that are less, like, commercially viable or, yeah. like, big blockbuster movies? Like, would movies like we're about to talk about, would they get a bigger audience or more of a respect or, like, adulation if they were like given better context to like feel that way about it. Yeah, I agree. I don't see why. I mean, we already have so many adverts and commercials and trailers before movies start. Throwing in a 30 second sizzle reel about what cinema means to people Hmm. could definitely help set the tone before you kind of go into that experience. Yeah, I want to kind of just also wrap up what we got to go through TIFF with. And I want to go through some categories now. Mm. And we'll go through basically all the big movies that we got to watch and uh, at the end of this, we have our top five lists of yeah. the basically for us, like the most must see movies for whatever the release date is in the next 12 months or so. Right. So first one, I kind of wanted to start with just as a tone, because this isn't something usually we would get out of a film festival. And for me, it's funniest movie. Right. And there were a lot of strong comedy movies in this uh, in this festival this year. Like, obviously, they had Dick's. We had uh, Next Goal Wins and like Hitman and so many other great movies. But I was just curious where, because again, before we get into all the, this is the best performance and sure, that sure. kind of stuff. But yeah. like, where how, where do you kind of land for best or funniest movie? Yeah, it's it's great because I'm going to say something that you haven't seen. <laughs> okay. for, for me, the funniest movie that I watched at TIFF this year is Dream Scenario mm-hmm. by A24 starring Nicolas Cage. I, I've had some like, great experiences this year actually when it comes to comedy just generally in the theater but this movie had me crying i had tears streaming down my face of laughter because nicholas cage absolutely murders it in this role the dialogue and the screenplay is fantastic i cannot recommend this movie and especially nicholas cage's performance enough i know there are some awards shows like the golden globes i believe it is they kind of have like a comedy they kind of split their performances in both drama and comedy i feel like Nicolas Cage is a shoe in to pick up, or at least at the very minimum, pick up a nomination, if not a win, in the comedy section. But yeah, for me, the funniest movie I saw was Dream Scenario. Nice. Um, for me, I'm going with uh, Hitman. I think 
Hitman is... Uh, I'm, I'm going to readdress Hitman 2, so I'm not going to give like the entire spiel right now because it does land even more heavily on like what I really enjoyed from this festival. But uh, uh, you know, just on a side note, Hitman actually got acquired after TIFF mm. for $20 million by Netflix. Also, uh, apparently it's going to have some sort of theatrical release. Nice. So for me, that's like the biggest W because I was worried. Like when I saw when I read Netflix, I was like, oh my God, this funny of a movie is going to be seen only at home mm. and like people are just going to miss that. But this is the kind of movie that not, doesn't deserve. It needs to be watched with a great crowd. Like go to opening weekend, go to the best cinema you can think of and just like legit, like just watch it with a bunch of people because like it's going to be a tremendous experience. I haven't had this good uh comedy experience in a movie theater in a very 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 long time yeah uh number one it's great to hear that it got picked up number one number two i like the fact that netflix is going to allow this to get a a theatrical release i don't know why they just don't uh, make more of a big deal of this like yes you're going to own this ip forever on your platform give it a short window if anything two or three weeks just allow people to watch it with an audience because yeah. it does make a difference to your experience watching the movie yeah and the great thing is that's what they're going to be doing yeah. um next we got best international film so mm-hmm. we're talking any foreign film outside of north america yep where'd you kind of end up with that oh this was an easy one for me i went with the promised land it's a danish movie starring mads mickelson actually ended up being one of my best movies and best experiences uh from tiff i actually think this is something that's going to get a lot of nominations especially from the international um awards categories you know as we kind of head into award season i think it's actually one of mads Mickelson's best performances in a leading role and um yeah i can't recommend it enough figure out a way i don't know what the the situation is in terms of a, a release whether it's digital you know streaming platform whether it's going to get a run in the theater but mark my words the promised land is such a fantastic film and the villain in the movie could potentially be the villain of the year unbelievable just such a it's a simple story at heart but the way it plays out is just fucking poetic yeah and i'm not really that familiar with german films if i'm being honest or danish or danish films sorry but i'm not familiar with danish films but i found this like so enthralling like i really walked in thinking i'm not gonna like this movie yeah i was really not looking forward i don't care about period pieces or anything like that but this movie absolutely blew me away and yeah the villain is just one of the best of the year for sure. There's no way this is, he's not going to be in like that conversation Mm -hmm. for me for best international film. I am like, I feel crazy to say this, but like as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of Bollywood films, I was so stunned by how much I loved kill Mm. director, uh, Nikhil Nagesh, Bhatt. he made a really incredible showing for Indian cinema and like really like a groundbreaking groundbreaking film, at least from my perspective, because again, I'm not, really in that scene and i don't really follow up to for bollywood films like you know on a day-to-day but at the same time nothing that's come to my attention has ever struck me like this as far as indian cinema goes yeah forget what you even like know about bollywood cinema like when you when you hear the term bollywood film this isn't not this is not it absolutely this is the most violent movie (sighs) to come out of india period yeah um i remember kind of seeing some of the the quotes from the cast and the crew when they were talking about the movie and it's almost like they said this is a imagine if john wick and the raid had a baby Mm -hmm. and this is kill yeah and for me it gets me super excited about where indian cinema could potentially go like if we get more movies like this not necessarily violent but something that's away from the typical song and dance three hour movie I am in for that experience. And and to be fair, like I don't even want to kind of shit on Bollywood as it is now because, you know, I'm not going out of my way to stay up to date with Bollywood and all that kind of stuff. So this, I think 
the reason why it really does feel special only is because in that environment, it still came out like shiny, like crazy. Yeah. And and I don't want to crap on the typical Bollywood movie either. I actually enjoy a lot of them. Some mm-hmm. of them are my favorites. I watch them with my mum, you know, two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's nice to see Indian cinema diversify itself in other genres. And, and, and that's what's exciting. And deliver at a very high level. Yes. Not to the point where it's like, okay, cool. This is good for this. Right. This is just amazing. Yeah, period. Absolutely. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to this one's release. What about uh, as far as best performance goes? And that could be anybody in any film. Yeah. What performance specifically like kind of left you, kind of stayed with you after the film? Man, the most. This was such a tough one. Uh, it's got, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's a tie for me. I've got two okay. and it's, it's hard to differentiate. It's hard to kind of, it's like 1A, 1B for me. Okay. Um, I've already spoken about how much I enjoy Dream Scenario. I've already gushed over Nicolas Cage's performance. I think it's arguably a, a top three performance from him. And he's had one of the most incredible careers because he literally just marches to the beat of his own drum. You just don't know what you're going to get when you watch a Nicolas Cage movie. But and let me tell you something right now. He absolutely nails it with this performance it's one of his best ever so a big shout out to Nicolas Cage for dream scenario and on the flip side when it comes to drama coming of age pulling at the heartstrings gotta give it up for Paul Giamatti he plays this you know really what's the best word of describing it like a a curmudgeon history teacher in the holdovers and I genuinely feel like he's going to get nominated a lot going into award season two. So for me it's Paul Giamatti in the holdovers and Nicolas Cage in dream scenario for myself, I went with Glenn Powell uh, coming out of Hitman, right? And I said, uh, walking out of this movie, I thought, if this movie can find an audience, Glenn Powell is a big, he's about to become a massive superstar, mm-hmm. right? Like, I was already a big fan of his. Him and Linklater already have uh, this film called Everybody Wants Some, and I just loved him in that. And uh, yeah, this guy in this movie just showed that he can do anything. Right. And I am so ready to be so invested in this guy's career going forward and see kind of what roles and uh, directors he gets to work with and everything kind of going forward. And I really do hope that him and Linklater do stick together because he had a big part in not just starring in the film. He had a big part in writing this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if they keep making stuff, I would look forward to those films like I look forward to like Leo Scorsese films or like Leo Tarantino or something like that. Like I think that pairing is so money. I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, I agree. I co-sign everything that you just said. I feel like uh, Hollywood has a brand new leading man in Glenn Powell. I've, I wasn't too aware of him before Top Gun Maverick. That was the first time I'd seen him on screen in anything. And I thought he did a fantastic job in that movie. But this role in Hitman really showcases how strong he is as an actor and a leading man. Yeah. Um, so diversified in terms of his performance because he's playing so many different kind of personas and characters in the yeah. movie. Um, so yeah, absolutely co-sign everything. Not only had. that, but remember like when everybody was kind of gushing over James McAvoy in Split just yeah. because he put on like 30 performances in right. this one film. Yeah, yeah. Same kind of thing, but the one, like obviously these are completely different films. The difference kind of walking out of this movie, you're, it's like oh, there's a guy. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of walk out with like, oh, can I invest stock into this? Because I know it's about to rock it. And it doesn't hurt that he's very, very good looking. Yeah, that definitely <laughs> helps. The whole movie, like, unbelievably attractive human beings. Yeah. All right, but that leads us to the final part of TIFF, which is our top five in order. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go real quick. Before we even get to top five, do you have any honorable mentions you want to mention? Um, yeah, uh, I think you've already mentioned a few, but I want to mention Kill. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that movie. Just honestly, just blew me away in terms of how good that film is. 
Boy and Heron, like the the first time I've really seen a Miyazaki movie, you know, in the theater with a crowd. Uh, I, I kind of I walked away thinking I'd see more of Miyazaki. Um, but yeah, those are a couple of my uh, honorable mentions there for you. For me, I had three that I want to mention. You mentioned Promised Land. Absolutely love Promised Land uh, for all the reasons I talked about before. I absolutely love Flora and Son for completely different reasons. It's just so like when sometimes when you want to like sit and watch a movie, you want something kind of light and yeah. fun. Light and fun is like an underrated kind of area in film that doesn't get enough love. You know what I mean? Even though, it, you know, people love it, but nobody like talks about how like, oh man, I really love You Got Mail. But you know what? People watch You Got Mail on a very regular basis. Mm-hmm. And like Flora and Son really fits into that kind of vibe. And the last honorable mention I want to do is Fingernails, which uh, absolutely blew me away as a concept. Just completely was fantastic. And um, I'm really excited to see when that movie releases because I'm excited to just talk about it. Mm-hmm. I have so many thoughts on that concept. So many thoughts on just that movie in general. And uh, also, uh, Riz Ahmed is just like, he's really doing it for brown guys. I'll be <laughs> yeah. honest. It is what it is. But yeah. like, I don't mean to phrase it in that way, but yeah. he really is, man. Yeah, man. Like there's so, like, I sometimes look at Riz Ahmed. I'm like, yes, like I want more of this. Like I want to see so like, as far as like representation, all that yeah, stuff, yeah. I just love seeing that dude killing it every time he's out there. Big up to Riz Ahmed from my ends back in London. Yeah. Uh, seeing him kind of come up the, the television circuit now and obviously in feature movies, he's been killing it killing over the last it. couple of years. And also when I co-signed Flora and Son, it actually ended up being one of my favorite movies uh, from the TIFF experience this year. And I can't, recommend that movie enough either uh the lead actress is uh bono's daughter from u2 i feel like even with her performance i feel like there's a star potentially being made there i want to see more of her moving forward and as well joseph gordon levy is just fantastic casting in that movie mm-hmm. um but yeah let's get into our top five are we doing five to one or one to five five to one what kind of menace are you bro right. who wants to start at one uh, what does one another make sure we know what we do no way all right let's go to number five what's jumping what do you got all right, for number five, mentioned it a few times. We both have actually. Um, going with Promised Land, Mads Mikkelsen. It's a Danish movie. It's got subtitles. It's a period piece. But trust me, just watch this movie. It gets going. It has one of the best villains of the year. And it's. I think it's got a good shot of being the best international movie come award season. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it is a great movie. For me, number five is The Beast. All right. It's a French film. It's so philosophical, so heady. It's slightly experimental. And... Uh, it's just so interesting, man. I walked away. The, like It's one of the movies that lingered and stayed with me throughout the entire experience. I'm watching so many incredible films. Yeah. But the way it left me thinking about the concepts uh, that it kind of talks about is, is just absolutely amazing. If you love movies like Ex Machina, if you love movies that are high concept, sci-fi, but deliver on in very different ways, like even drama on that level, like it really knocks it out of the park. Yeah, go out of your way. The Beast, fantastic. Love The Beast. Uh, one of my favorite films uh, from TIFF this year. And it's great that we both started out our top five with the foreign films. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was your number four? Next one is Hitman by Richard Linklater, starring Glenn Powell. Again, a movie we've already discussed uh, quite a bunch already on the podcast. But yeah, one of my favorite movies from TIFF this year. Really enjoyed it. I can watch it again. It's going to be on Netflix. But like Gervais said, it's going to get a short window at the theaters. Watch it at the theater. Watch it with an audience. Watch it with a crowd. And honestly, it's a great date movie. Yeah, 100% it's a great date movie. Literally, Linklater, I was talking to him after the movie, and he said that exact same thing. He's like, this is a great date movie. Right. And I'll talk about that story in a second. But uh, for me, number four, I ended up going with Kill. All right. Nice. An Indian movie <laughs> broke into my top five. <laughs> I love it. Crazy stuff. But genuinely one of the best in theater experiences I had number one at TIFF, but ever in any movie theater, whether it's like a 
end game level, like, you know, movie that you're watching or anything like that, a comedy movie, like super bad. This was like a visceral reaction people were having in the movie theater. And I think that gives them extra points and all that kind of stuff. But let's remove that. It's still just this incredible film, a really great statement coming out of Indian cinema. And I'm really, really excited. That movie single-handedly made me excited to see like, what else am I missing? Like I am more than down to start exploring this uh, way more or just exploring Indian films way more because of how excited I was from that. Yeah. And just to add some context to the actual, uh, you know, experience of watching it with the crowd that we were at, we were at a press and industry screening. So it's, it's, it's almost exclusively media only number one, number two, watching it at Scotiabank theater. It wasn't one of the bigger screens. It, the screening we went to was one of the smaller screens. Let me tell you guys, Gervais is like, telling you what the experience was like, it was that tenfold. People whooping and cheering for things that were happening you know, during the movie as things are playing out. People were jumping out of their seats. And I have to agree with everything you just said. It was one of the best experiences I've had with a crowd. It was insane, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was your number three? Number three for me is American fiction. Man, I think this could potentially be I mean, obviously, it's already won the People's Choice Award um, from TIFF. So mm-hmm. it's got the cosign, you know, from the masses, from the people that vote. But one of the best screenplays that I've seen in quite some time, original screenplay. I think Jeffrey Wright is uh, potentially going to get a lot of nominations as the lead actor in this movie mm-hmm. come award season as well. And it's funny. It's witty. It's fresh. It uh, talks about racism and, you know, uh, cultural appropriation in so many different ways, but in a smart, modern and fresh way. And yeah, I just thought it was just witty intelligent and funny and one of my favorite films from tiff this year yeah um for me my number three was uh the boy and the heron again i am a big miyazaki fan i absolutely love miyazaki but uh like you said like i you know i haven't been a fan in like a time frame where i would have been able to watch other films of his with a crowd in a movie theater debut weekend all that kind of stuff right, or, right. or with a fresh crowd and stuff yeah. right but this, like, I feel really fortunate because I got to do it. And I really do believe even just visually the the what they're getting across as far as messaging from the film. I think it's absolutely beautiful. This guy doesn't ever miss. Like, even if people are nitpicking of like, oh, yeah, well, it's not as good as his other films. Like, who cares? Mm. It's amazing as a piece by itself. I really do think because of the way it's going to get released. I still think uh, later on it's going to be getting a lot more flowers. Mm. Right now, it's like almost only critics have seen it. Right. Or like uh, people in Japan have seen it. But like really over a long enough period of time, I really think people are going to start to kind of realize how special of a movie this is. Sure. And also, there, um, you know, during the festival, like five days, there was like a pop-up Studio Ghibli shop. I don't think I ever saw it not have a massive line yeah. outside. Listen, man, people love uh, Ghibli. Like they just love it so much. And uh there's a great reason to because these movies and the characters and the stories that they're telling stay with you mm-hmm. as life lessons. Uh, what about number two? Man, figuring out what my number one, number two movie was so hard. I ended up going with Dream Scenario for number two. I mentioned before, by A24, Nicolas Cage, one of the funniest movies you'll see this year. It's releasing on November 10th. I'm so glad it's going to get a full theatrical release. It was going to be impossible for A24 to not provide a movie that wasn't going to make my top five. Let's just be <laughs> honest about that at this point. But yeah, honestly, the less you know about this movie going in, the better. But let me tell you, I've said it before, I'll say it again. One of Nicolas Cage's best performances ever. This film is freaking hilarious. 
Mark my words, dream scenario, watch your opening weekend. All right. For me, number two was your number three, which was American Fiction. That's why I didn't talk. Sure, um, sure. But uh, yeah, for me, I just thought absolutely incredible script. Like some of the best, sharpest writing that I've heard, I've seen in a movie in a very, very, very long time. It was just like meta commentary on top of meta commentary on top of meta commentary. And it's just like, it, it's funny because before I was walking in, I had no idea what this movie was about. Mm. I was, I, there's no poster associated with like the film. There's at least like a picture on like the ticket that you get from Tiff. Right. So I had like, you'll have some idea what kind of movie this is going to be. Who's the character? Anything. This I had zero anything about. Right. And uh, I even sent somebody uh, a text being like, hey, so this is the movie I'm about to watch. This is what, like I sent them a synopsis being like, I don't even know what to make of this synopsis. Like right. what am I supposed to think of this movie? Yeah. And that I, I kind of walked out being like, okay, cool. I'm going to do a better de- job describing this movie. Don't worry. I walk out of it. I go, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, too yeah. complicated. It's right. too, that's actually one thing that I'm actually wondering about what the, what this, uh, the run for this movie is going to be because it is so high concept. Yeah. It is so nuanced that it's going to be really difficult as a movie to sell. Yeah. Like, it's almost like you have to hope that people get really excited about Jeffrey Wright or Sterling K. Brown or like any other tremendous performance in this movie. But like as a concept, I can't imagine this translating like to like everybody. No, you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually really hope it does find an audience because it has all the potential of either completely missing it or possibly become like a pop culture moment. We don't know where it's going to end up being. Yeah, 100%. And also just a shout out um, because the actual director... Uh, called Jefferson, he's making his feature film directorial debut, but his writing credentials include Succession. So if you are a fan of Succession and you enjoy the dialogue between the characters and how high-level and witty, intelligent and different and fresh it is, this whole film is like that tenfold. A hundred percent. Like, really, I think... uh the people that do go out of their way to watch this movie are going to love it. Yeah. But that's the problem. Getting people to click play or getting people to walk into that theater. I can almost imagine this being the movie that if it ends up picking a lot of nominations during award season, which I absolutely think it will, people can be like, oh, what's this American fiction? It's getting all these nominations, maybe getting all these awards. And then you have to go back and figure out a way to watch it. And also the best thing was right after we watched this movie, we got to sit down and hear a Q&A from Corey Jefferson. And yeah. he was just running through questions really like the crazy thing is like we sit through a lot of these and there's a director right after yeah and sometimes the questions are like silly things like oh how did you come up with that character or not that's not silly but it's like a basic question yeah every question that i heard at this q a was like the most nuanced like specific question people are so in tune with like walking out of this movie with like actually something like they walk i don't want to like you know, tell you what you should walk out with, but you walk out with something and you end up having a lot of interesting questions and thoughts and conversations. And it's a further testament to why we enjoy TIFF so much. It's watching these movies with that specific audience and with that specific crowd, especially when you have time with the directors and filmmakers and cast members. Yeah, but again, Core Jefferson, I'm specifically looking forward to his career. I think Mm. he's going to be like a really exciting person to watch because no matter what he does, if it's going to be TV, film, whatever, I can just imagine he... He's really only scratched the surface. He mentioned it himself, like this is brand new frontier for him. Right. Right. So I, I'm really excited to see what, what happens. He got to prove himself with this. What happens when he gets a bigger budget? What right. happens when he gets more stars? What happens when he gets to pick who he wants? Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. And uh, that leads to our number one picks. Tell me what did you pick for number one? Well, 
I went with the holdovers. Um, not only is it my number one movie of TIFF, I think it may end up being my number one movie of 2023. It's a coming of age movie. It's a Christmas movie. And funnily enough, um, along with my number two movie from TIFF, Dream Scenario, it's also being released in theaters on November 10th. So heading into like Thanksgiving and the fall and winter and Christmas, there are two great movies to be watching, two totally different movies with The Holdovers and Dream Scenario. But The Holdovers, man, it just, um, it's a beautiful movie. It's set in 1970. Paul Giamatti and Alexander Payne reunite once again from Sideways, which I think was released like 10 years ago at this point. And it's starting to get a lot of buzz from the critics, myself included. And I feel like going into award season, it's going to get a lot of nominations. But if you liked Dead Poet Society, I feel like this is like a spiritual successor to it in many, many ways. I'm going to go into a lot more detail uh, in, and in-depth when we actually do end up reviewing it, which I know for a fact that we will um, come November. But yeah, for me, it was uh, The Holdovers by Alexander Payne. Nice. Um, for myself, my number one pick. And uh, if you're listening to this, it shouldn't really be a surprise, but it is low-key a surprise out of the whole thing. But uh, I went with Hitman. Mm. Hitman was my uh, top five number one last week, even when we were just thinking like so far. Sure. And I was just thinking of like, as far as an experience, as far as what I want as a film fan and just potentiality and just so many different things. I walked away just having a really high opinion about Hitman. Right. And um, I don't know, like, Oscar-wise or award season-wise, like, is this going to end up in that kind of conversation? I don't know. But I feel like as far as people being in the theater watching this movie, it's an amazing exploration into, like, really, like, great philosophical concepts that I think are valuable um especially like the way people kind of go on the internet and stuff like that these days mm-hmm. um on top of that i think the way they discuss romance is so incredibly interesting the way they discuss finding yourself is really interesting and that should be no surprise because Linklater is like the master of really number one he's made romantic movies in the past mm-hmm. and they're some of the best i've ever seen but he's also made like just chill uh coming of age movies or like just like movies that kind of explore like your humanity and like really nuanced ways that are just really beautiful. And this mm. movie hits a lot of those while still feeling like potentially it could be like a gigantic movie if it found an audience. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that this does get like all the adulation in the world. And uh, yeah, I ended up enjoying it just so much. Uh, Hitman ended up being my number one. And you know why it doesn't matter if it doesn't get nomination, things like that, because at the end of the day, this is like your list. This is my list. The sure. art and cinema is subjective. You like what you like. Yeah. And uh, I'm not shocked at all that a link later movie is your number one. And not only that, but like, even if I was thinking, like I think of the year, I would think a performance like Glenn Powell's would get nominated for something like an, or at least could get nominated for an Oscar. It yeah. probably won't because that's not the kind of genre they reward. But it for me, like performance for performance, like this is incredible. Mm. He does so much like really small, incredible things that like really get rewarded in more serious films. But yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, it's a comedy. It's right. not going to be able to get that kind of same kind of attention, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's everything for TIFF. That kind of wraps up 2023 TIFF as well. Yeah, what a, what a great experience once again. And it's kind of wild because this is only our second time, our second year of going to TIFF. And I feel like this is like such a staple in our calendar moving forward. It's like the time of year I personally now look forward to the most. Yeah. It's like 
what more could you ask for watching some of the best movies of the year in such a condensed period of time with an incredible audience? God bless Tiff. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to go back next year. But let's get into the news for this week. First story I got, and it's interesting because it doesn't take us all the way away from like award season and some of the best films of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, one movie we didn't get to watch at Tiff was Killers of the Flower Moon. Right. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the quote that I got first. So first, Leonardo DiCaprio just so we can kind of big up or kind of get really excited about this film. He says that Lily Gladstone's audition for the film, he says, or I've never known Scorsese to meet somebody and then immediately afterwards have this gravitational pull and instinctively say, let's not wait another minute. So he's given like the ultimate cosign to this performance, number one. But number two, this is just kind of shows we did watch some of the best films of the year, but we haven't even finished everything yet. There's no. still so many movies yeah. that are still coming out this year potentially and uh it's gonna be really interesting to see what ends up being like some sleeper hits or like some of the best films of the year coming in the next couple of months yeah i feel like tiff is almost kind of like our gateway drug and the kickoff to the the part of the year where we essentially get the best films of the year mm-hmm. and and like you said we are blessed to have seen so many at tiff but there are still so many to come in the coming weeks and months that we're going to watch at the theater or maybe we get some private screening let's see what happens mm-hmm. and killers of the flower moon is definitely up there so every time i get a bit of news like this or a quote like this it just gets me more amped up and hyped up to watch it absolutely also speaking of uh some franchises we got john wick for a little bit in the news where uh, one of the producers says that Keanu Reeves begged to be killed off in the film. He's always like, I can't do this again. We were like, we'll leave a 10% little opening. So they still have the potentiality to continue that. But it's interesting to see that Keanu Reeves specifically is like, I'm I'm pretty much done. Yeah, and I kind of um, read some more about what Keanu was kind of like saying as well. Because for him, it's just he's getting old. And his body can't handle some of the action sequences and the fight sequences, which is like, you know, everyone gets old and the bodies, you want to try to have a long and healthy life. Look at Uma Thurman and what she's been dealing with since Kill Bill 2. Look at what Sly was talking about in Expendables in his documentary, just talking about how, you know, that film kind of changed his life. Paid the price. Yeah. And he's still dealing with that to this day. It's crazy. Um, So... Yeah, it's kind of like the machine, the producers, Hollywood, they want to keep milking that cash cow. And Keanu's like, yo, I've done four. Let me just check out, do some spinoffs and sequels and whatever. Let me do something else with my life, right? And I can't blame him for having that attitude. And frankly, like, they kind of wrapped it up well. I, I, I wouldn't they want did, exactly. What else do we need out of this series? Exactly, I agree. Um, next, I got Ty West talking about Maxine, the, uh, I guess, like a threequel of, uh, first we got X, then we got Pearl, and now we're getting Maxine. And uh, reportedly, it's going to be a whodunit slasher. Right. So obviously, you didn't get a chance to watch X, but I know last year at TIFF, we were such huge fans of Pearl. Yeah. Right. That was one of the standouts. One of the best performances I saw of the entire year. And uh, yeah, um, Mia Goth is back in this film. It's a slasher. I'm mad excited for this. So what? one thing I'm going to make sure I try and do is watch X before we watch Maxine. Yeah. Just so I can get the full experience because Pearl was great. Yeah. Loved it. We had a great time watching that movie and uh, it's kind of like on a mental checklist to-do list. It's like before Maxine drops, make sure I watch X. I'm going to go out of my way to watch Pearl, then X, and then this. Right. So Because I, I got the whole... I, got, I watched it as it released. Because right? Pearl's a prequel, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I watched X first, then I watched Pearl. And right. Like that, when you watch Pearl second, it gives you this crazy context. Mm-hmm. But I want to watch Pearl first again and then watch X and watch that movie from that lens and right. then see where we go. So it's chronological. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah, see yeah. what happens. But this this whole series, low-key, has just been absolutely amazing. A24 once yeah, again. Yeah, man, it's just great. Um, next, I got Wes Anderson. He says that Michael Sarah 
is the one actor that he wants to work with that he hasn't yet. And uh, he confirms that Michael Sarah will be in his next movie. Great. I am. I know you laughed, but it's like this guy is really. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling in a, in a happy, positive way. This is I great don't news. Know about that, about that didn't sound like a chuckle. No, no, no. no, no. I'm, I'm actually very happy about this. I know you're a big Michael Sarah fan. I am a big Michael Sarah fan, but also at the same time, he is like low key this like comedic genius, mm. like. He, he just gets it. Like yeah. he just really understands not giving too much. Right. And like giving the perfect amount of like whatever he needs in that role. I'm very excited to see, especially in a Wes Anderson movie. I feel like they would mesh really, really well. And also speaking of Michael Sarah, I didn't mention this earlier on, but he has a role in Dream Scenario mm-hmm. uh, with Nicolas Cage and he actually crushes it in the movie. I'm not surprised. I think yeah. he's a really talented actor. I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see, speaking of different eras, different acts, like I'm excited to see where this is all leading because it mm-hmm. feels like Michael Sarah's kind of in this pocket where he's working with really great directors. Right, right. So let's see where this kind of moves. Yeah. Um, last one I got, and it's kind of a, a little bit older, but uh, Stephen Glover, Donald Glover's brother, uh, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, he revealed that there, that Lando series that's been planned for so long and we've been hearing about it forever is now a movie. And I kind of wanted, before we move on to our review of Dicks, I kind of wanted to see where, where you kind of feel about that. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, sure, cool, whatever. Like, I shrug my shoulders at it. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, like, Ahsoka is running right now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not running out of my way to throw on Disney Plus watching it on a week-to-week basis. I'm like, yeah, let me let it finish its run. I'll binge it when I get some time. It's there. It's not going anywhere. But in general, when it comes to my mindset, all of a sudden now with some of these Disney properties, whether it's Star Wars or MCU, it's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just a lot. There's a lot coming, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like nothing holds so much weight with me anymore. Whether they pivot to TV show or pivot to movie, cool. I'll watch it when I watch it, and hopefully it does a great job and it blows me away and I have a good time. That's that's what I got to say about it. Honestly. I think the difference is that if this was a Disney Plus show, I feel like maybe I have the ability to skip it. Right. But with a movie, I know I have to watch. I prefer a movie over a TV show all day long. I feel like I have to watch a Star Wars movie. Like sure. I've seen every Star Wars movie. What am I yeah. going to stop now? Yeah. <laughs> I got to watch it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this creates like a sense of importance. I think a little bit more. But also, you know, Lando. As much as like people might not have liked Solo. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, maybe even they didn't love uh, Gambino's performance as uh, as Lando. I still feel like Lando's one of the coolest characters in Star Wars and one of the most underserved characters in the Star Wars. So right. if they're going to have the like fun kind of pirate adventure that I kind of expect in uh, in Lando in like a Star Wars universe and like him just being a super cool, suave dude, like I'm, I'm excited about that. I could see that being really fun. On paper, especially with him involved, it sounds like it's going to be a good time. It does seem like this is the first time they're really putting, you know, a, a massive amount of money and effort into essentially not one of the, the major characters, like Solo got his own movie, mm-hmm. right? And you can obviously imagine a lot of the other major characters from the Star Wars universe getting their own movie. Lando is an interesting move for sure. Lando is an interesting one also because at the end of the day, it's a prequel. Mm. So you can do whatever you want. True. Any character is it's open season, right? And yeah. especially with the technology that they're using in Star Wars these days, you yeah. can literally have any single character you want in that movie. Guarantee you they have a Vader in it. Guarantee. Yeah. I mean, and why not? Why wouldn't you? Vader's still alive. Yeah, absolutely. Vader's still alive. And you also know they have a pre-existing relationship. Yeah. So uh, why not? 100%. Um, but that's everything as far as the news goes. Let's get into a review for the week. We're talking dicks. Craig Tittle, Trevor Brock, my two top salesmen. You two motherfuckers look like y'all could be twins. Mm, I I think we actually look very dissimilar. 
the only thing I have from the dad I never knew is... Half of a locket! We must be brothers! Not just brothers, Trevor! Twins! Wow! We're twins! We're fucking identical twins! If mom and dad got married again, then we'd have a real family. What if we trick them into getting back together? <laughs> Alright, gentlemen, so, uh, this week we're talking Dicks the Musical, which, uh, is another A24 movie which is, again, a musical and a very absurd movie. I'm kind of curious. So, actually, you know what? Let me read the uh, synopsis for this movie. So, a pair of business rivals discover that they're identical twins and decide to swap places in an attempt to trick their divorced parents to get back together. So, it's very Parent Trap. It's literally mentioned. Parent Trap is mentioned in the movie. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious. Where Did you like this movie? I I don't know if we talked about this. (sighs) Well, before I kind of give you my my thoughts... um, Dicks the musical is what we actually ended up uh, finishing our our you know, TIFF experience together. Yeah, I went back on Sunday. I watched a few more movies, but in terms of you and me watching movies together, this was the final one. Number one, number two. I was trying to think when was the last time I watched a musical, and it was actually Steven Spielberg's West Side Story a few years ago. So musicals in general aren't you know coming thick and fast you know in the in the film world these those days are, those are different movies those are very different if movies. i can say yeah. no no i'm just talking about musicals in general <laughs> I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely those couldn't be the more like completely different like spectrums of musicals yeah yeah absolutely it's just something to kind of give some reference to the genre of musicals and this is kind of veering into more comedy musical mm-hmm. number two i didn't realize until after the movie had ended this was actually uh, a stage play yeah. a theater production out of new york right and then I started to connect the dots. I can actually see this actually working so much better in the theater. It didn't work for me as a movie. Mm-hmm. I think in the first 10, 15 minutes or so, it started to it started off okay for yeah. me. Kind of got a couple of laughs and a couple of chuckles. But then it was just deadpan for me. Yeah. Like even with the um, the audience that we were with, I felt like there was no middle ground. I felt like there were members of the audience that were literally LOLing, laughing out loud and having a fantastic time with this movie. <laughs> and then there were people that were just like very kind of just like crickets throughout the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't really see too much middle ground there. Very true. And, I, and I have some reasons for that, but just generally giving my thoughts, I did not have a good time watching this movie. Yeah, it's a weird movie to review because yeah, like you said, we did watch it in a packed movie theater. And yeah, yeah there were people dying laughing and uh also i feel like this movie like would be my kind of movie it's mm. really weird and for some reason i'm kind of with you it just didn't land in it didn't land all the way for me mm. right it did land certain things and sure. like there were moments that i really do appreciate and i think they were funny but like obviously it's like a very silly movie yeah and it, but at the same time it's like a really silly movie to kind of critique too because like it's like almost like critiquing like Borat in a way, like the same director, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, like Borat isn't meant to be like this high art or like something, but it's so absurd. But that movie felt more like real and direct, and like obviously, it's uh, there are literally are like elements of reality in that movie. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, this movie isn't grounded in any real sense of reality, but it, it's satire. It, it's making fun of all like the dumb stuff that people say. Um, or like the dumb stuff that people are offended by that doesn't affect them at all, mm. right? Like that's really what it is. They're making fun of of like the idea of being offended almost in a way. And but at the same time, it also is just sometimes just really stupid, like really stupid for the sake of being stupid. Right. So it's this middle ground of trying to be like, okay, cool. Well, like what are they trying to get across, right? 
but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll say the same thing. We had this conversation, I feel like, throughout the year and it's always pertaining horror and comedy. They've yeah. got one job to do. Yeah. A horror movie has to scare you. And if it didn't, it didn't do the job. You didn't have a good time watching that movie. Yeah. A comedy has to make you laugh. Like I was talking about Dream Scenario earlier on. I think it's the funniest movie I've seen this year. I had such a great time with that film. It's like it's like a dark comedy as well, also mm-hmm. from A24. Mm-hmm. This is another comedy, but it just didn't land for me at all. Um, I felt like it was just like so loud and like there wasn't time to actually digest what was happening. It's very fast paced as well. And yeah, the two guys that obviously thought this whole thing up and obviously are the lead actors in it. Something about them just didn't work for me, man. The chemistry wasn't there for me. Um, Josh Sharp as Craig and Aaron Jackson as Trevor. Yeah, you're right. Like, unfortunately, a big problem with the movie and a big problem that I have personally is just like the performance of the lead actors. When they're not singing, I just, I just, I, I get, like, there used to be a stage show. Yeah. I feel like this would be a really incredible stage right? show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But as a comedy movie, I feel like they just don't, they just didn't deliver in that way. Like, mm. like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think this movie can be, like, really clever. And it brings up some interesting questions. And I really do love, you know, an over-the-top silly movie sometimes. But honestly, like, as a fan of comedies and a fan of musicals and absurd content in general, right? Like, I just thought... Sometimes they went too much for goofy. Yeah. Right. It's so goofy at times. And like they almost like at moments, it just completely leave clever off the table entirely. Right. Yeah. And there are really strong moments. And I'm going to bring up examples of that, but like even just as examples of movies and goofy movies that I really like, like I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world tenacious D and the pick of destiny. Again, those are just, they are musical in a, like a really strong sense. Yeah. Even like Jane silent Bob, how ridiculous those movies can be. Yep. I think, uh, the biggest thing and the biggest distinguisher, especially performance wise, is that there is an audience for this silly of a movie. But in this particular instance, like they, you know, speaking of those lead characters, when you walk away from like Borat, it exposes like all this like silly stuff the US was doing and like a weird period of time in American history where like xenophobia is just like this massive issue. Yeah. And Borat in its own way brings attention to that in like a passive aggressive kind of way. But this movie, it makes fun of a lot of like current issues and like topical issues and stuff like that, especially in the queer space. But they don't have a Sasha Baron Cohen to like hold it down and like be the powerhouse and land it on like a multi-dimensional level. Yeah. They just don't have that guy. The title of the movie, Dicks the Musical, gets you in the the door. That's it. And it's A24. So it kind of got us excited as we were kind of going into the movie, right? Also, this movie is very positively reviewed. I'm sure we probably are in the minority. We are in the minority. And that's what I was talking about earlier on. I felt like there are a lot of people that were in the theater that were hooting and hollering and having a a whale of a time. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be interesting to monitor how this actually performs opening weekend. Yeah. Like, do, do people kind of go to the theater in droves and does it kind of get that commercial success because mm-hmm. critically like you said it is getting a lot of positive views absolutely and uh what about as far as our categories go we can address kind of some characters in here too first off best character if you want to mention anybody you really liked in this sure movie. you know nathan lane as harris is pretty decent mm-hmm. i really liked uh I, I mean first off not a bad performance from uh megan the stallion right <laughs> really like as far as like her existing in a comedy space like right. really just existing as like a rapper right. in this musical I think she does her thing. For me, she, next to the sewer baby, she was the worst part about the movie. <laughs> no, no, she's fine. Like her For raps, are, her raps are like really corny, even like as a rap fan. But like her presence on the screen is fun in like 
what it serves in the movie. She was, she, what it looked like to me was she's like, oh, let's just hire her because she is like the in the moment right now having a you know like a serious like wave of like. You and know, I'm not mad at that because like, like you know what when I'm watching this movie it's almost like a pleasant thing like oh all right Megan the Stallion cool yeah. at least like it's like little stuff like that. But as far as actual performances go, the only real performance I actually walked away thinking, all right, cool, was uh, Megan Mullally, right? Like, I th- I really like Megan Mullally in general. Like, I think she's funny in Parks and Rec. I think she's funny in Will of Grace, obviously. Obviously, this isn't the strongest performance in her career or something, mm. but of the performances, yeah. I liked hers. <laughs> what about uh, Bessie? I'm just going to go with the opening where they first discover that they're brothers. Because like the first 10, 15 minutes actually felt like, oh, I might really enjoy this. This is quite promising. I like the way things are starting off here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously just goes off a cliff edge for me <laughs> uh, for the rest of the movie. But yeah, the opening when they first discovered their brothers, I thought was quite smart and witty. I feel like the it's like bookended by like good, good things, mm-hmm. right? Like the beginning is strong. Yeah. And then the middle dips. And then I think the ending is pretty strong too. And that last song, unfortunately is my selection and uh it really is one of the most offensive songs in the history of film um but also it's like one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen in a movie right i'll Uh, say this these guys everyone behind the movie the from production uh from a24 the director the the cast and the crew this is a big swing of a movie big swing and um it's not going to be for everyone but if it is your jam you're going to have a great time with this movie. I, I think so too. Uh, you know what? And there are movies that kind of exist in like a cult space. Where yeah. Like, you know, when you watch like a bunch of people watch The Room every year and like throw spoons at the <laughs> at the movie screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, yeah, I could yeah. totally see this movie being like a massive cult hit. Mm. People love it for years and years. It is so absurd. And again, a lot of times when I'm watching the movie, I'm just like, what? What is going on? Mm. But then you get to this last song and they completely outdid themselves completely outdid themselves and that last song is like yo what is going on even for like the sake of like i can't believe they did this Mm -hmm. like i almost like give them a little bit of props for it (laughs) because it's so absurd yeah uh this is like probably like the most enticing thing this must make you want to watch at least some of the movie right um what about as far as star rating goes zero being the worst five being the best where do you end up with dicks 1.5 um again the first 10 15 minutes i enjoyed and that's where I get most of this rating from. Yeah. I also, I have to say, like, as far as a musical comedy goes, like, production, just everything was put together really, from a technical point exactly. of view, yeah. everything was actually put together really, really well. It's just the comedy didn't land with me. That's yeah. all it is, right? Yeah. They, but they got some great actors involved and A24 is behind it. So, yeah, give them, you know, kudos for that. Yeah, and you mentioned this before, but we've discussed it a million times. Comedy's job is to make you laugh. Yeah. Unfortunately, as a visceral reaction, this just didn't have me laughing for like really long stretches of time. Yeah. So it is what it is. I went with uh, 2.25. I do think there's going to be an audience for it. Is it going to be a huge audience? I don't think so. Will it be like a really dedicated audience? Hell yeah. There's going to be people who love this stuff. It's a absurdly strong name an absurdly strong title. And I really do think at the very least curiosity will catch a lot of people because of this movie. Right. And almost like if you walk into a movie called dicks, and you walk out upset by some of this stuff, you're almost a bit of a moron. Yeah. Because it's your own fault. You watch Dick's The Musical, by the way. Uh, by the way, final thing I want to say about the movie is I didn't get offended by anything. By yeah, the me way. too. Me it, too. Was, it, it was just a comedy didn't land for me. That's what it is. It's weird. Yeah, exactly. Right? 100%. No, I agree. But yeah, that's everything for Dick's. Uh, let's get into the last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked. Jumbo, can you hit me with Sandu's pick for this week? I certainly can. So 
there's been an interesting thing happening with some of the stars from the MCU and Netflix has had these deals like with Chris Evans. They've also got a deal with uh, Chris Hemsworth. With Hemsworth, they've actually been producing this franchise called Extraction. I don't know if you got a chance to see the first one a couple of years ago, but about a month ago, I watched the sequel Extraction 2. Let me tell you something. If you like the original, you're going to love the follow-up. Everything a sequel is supposed to be is this movie. The action is way more over the top and the pace is just relentless. The The lore and the mythology and the world building is way, way better in this second movie. And honestly, I think it might even be better than the original. And I feel like Chris Hemsworth has got a pretty cool action vehicle franchise homemade for Netflix. This isn't the kind of movie I'd want to pay to watch you know, at a theater. But as far as a Netflix action movie goes, this is top tier stuff, man. So Extraction 2 available on Netflix right now. I watched the first one. I was not a fan of it. Fair enough. Was it better than the first one? Way better. Okay, fair. Yeah. I went with Everybody Wants Some from 2016. It's a gem of a film by Richard Linklater. That's my connective tissue. It's a Linklater show a little bit. But uh, this is a spiritual sequel, as he called it, to Dazed and Confused. So even by that alone, you know I'm going to like it. But uh, this movie is just like a massive shot of nostalgia. That's number one. But it's also, again, a slice of life film. He does that tremendously and like uh, it deals with like kind of transitioning to like a new phase of your life. Right. And you know how we kind of when we talk about like life, mm. we talk through like the metaphor of like pro wrestling sometimes. Sure. Right. Like we like do it a day. lot. Like, yeah, yeah. All the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man, I can't believe this person did it. What a right. deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But uh, all like these big discussions that they have, they navigate through them through the guise of baseball. Right. And like this movie is like a big celebration of like kind of using your interest to kind of navigate through life. Mm. And I think it's really, like, it's kind of beautiful. It's, it's really nice. Like, like later really gets what being a human being is. Like, mm. on a non, like, even if he's not doing something, like, as big as Hitman or, like, high concept as, like, Before Sunrise or something like that, like, sometimes, like, a Dazed and Confused or a movie like this, like, he just gets that, like, in life you just live sometimes. And it's really great. <laughs> Also, Loki, I'm just glad that you were able to go to the screening where he was there present and oh got to meet the guy. I even forgot to tell that story. But basically, yeah. So I, I walk up and I say what up. And I'm just like, dude, every time if I'm ever like if, if I was on a date like recently, we were talking about like our favorite movies. Sure, like sure. That, and Days and Confused is consistently like my personality film. Right. Right. It's like the movie that I most closely feel. And I know I'm not alone in saying that. I'm sure a million people feel that way. But it, it really just is like living. Like there's a reason why a lot of people probably like it. And it's because like a lot of people live a simple life and mm. yeah, it's really, really beautiful, but same kind of thing with this. Yeah. Go out of your way. Check out everybody wants them. Uh, but yeah, that's everything for the show. Chumwood, where can anybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. We're available on Apple and Spotify. Listen, do us a favor. If you enjoyed our coverage of TIFF, if you enjoyed or disagreed or agreed with our review of Dick's The Musical, let us know in the comments. Do us a favor. Rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care. <laughs>